What up, party people? It's your boy Tommy G here with episode 18 of the No Mercy podcast. I should say conspiracy episode 18. Uh, as you guys know, we started as a sports podcast and have morphed it into a full-blown conspiracy podcast due to popular demand by teasing it a couple times in our sports podcast uh, back a year or two ago. And I, I just really want to thank you guys. Like, you guys are fucking the best. Uh, took a lot of heat for starting this conspiracy podcast. People said it's going to go no go nowhere, not going to be able to get it off the ground. And uh, now we're looking at over 20,000 downloads per episode, which is just mind-boggling from where we started from just 18 episodes ago. So really appreciate you guys. The best thing you could do to support us. Don't worry about giving us money, Patreon. We're not running ads. The best way to support us is just to subscribe, download, write a review if you like the episode, and follow the handles on social media, at uh, No Mercy Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We've got a lot of big stuff we're going to be doing launching uh, behind-the-scenes clips, videos, our celebrity corona draft we just did in the last episode, 17, which is one of my favorite episodes ever. Um, Stuff like that we're going to do live on Instagram and on Twitter uh, on the No Mercy handle, so make sure to follow at No Mercy Pod over there. One of the benefits of you guys making this so big for us is we're able to get bigger and better guests. Larry Johnson we had on, John McAfee. Uh, I was on Sam Tripoli's show now because of you guys. And the biggest, and one of my favorites right now, um, Nick Hinton coming on this one. Uh, j- dude's just a fucking monster. I have always always been obsessed with this simulation theory matrix-type universe. And there's no one better in the world, in my opinion, than Nick Hinton. You can follow him on Twitter, at Nick, N-I-C-K, Hinton, H-I-N-T-O-N-N. Uh, you'll hear us say it throughout the pod, too. And this dude's just an absolute monster. He wrote a book about the Saturn Time Cube uh, we'll talk about randonauts at the beginning of the pod and some of the ventures that he's involved in. This is part one. Uh, we, I have so much shit that I wanted to cover with him that we didn't even get through half of it. So this is part one. We're going to be doing a part two in another week or two uh, whenever Nick has time. And I uh, really want your guys' input because this is a little outside our realm. We went deep dark into like simulation theory here. So uh, I want your take on it. What would you think? Uh, this isn't really popular commercial topic. So if you guys want more of this stuff, I'll keep hunting around and bringing on stars and, and guys like Nick to talk about these topics that maybe I'm not as well aversed in. But I uh, thought it was a phenomenal episode. This thing is a fucking banger. So without me fucking chewing your ears off, let's get right to it. So without further ado, hit it, Miyagi. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. What up? Let's get weird. It's your boy Tommy G here with episode 18 of the No Mercy podcast. Conspiracy episode 18, I should say. We have a special guest joining us today who I'll be introducing in a minute or two who is light years. Bobby, I thought you were the smartest person that I knew until I started following Nick on Twitter. I'll take second smartest. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're second right now. And it's, it's uncomfortable for me because when we have Kurt on here, the bod, I usually at least know that I'm, I'm not in the four hole, like I'm not the dumbest. Right. And, and now I am. So I'm very uncomfortable. I'm going to be sitting I'm uncomfortable, as too. I, I read two of his threads last night, so I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to be listening today, which is going to be great. Yeah, I'm basically like just have a front row seat at the game. So I'm going <laughs> to yeah. be speaking as the listener who has no idea what the fuck we're talking about. 
Uh, Nick, I'm gonna Hinton, s- yeah, I'm gonna say I'm yeah. acting as the role of playing dumb, but really I am playing dumb. Yeah, I'm- you are, you are. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about it pre-show. He, he, Nick, Nick spent like three seconds on a phone call with us, and we we're both like, okay, we're officially stupid. <laughs> so uh, we'll introduce Nick in a second. But before we do that, I want to make sure you guys all go back. We're trying to take a break from coronavirus because we did one coronavirus half an episode in episode 16. Then we did the celebrity coronavirus draft in the last episode. And Bobby and Janet did a great job of going down the dark conspiracies of how this ties to Saudi Arabia and the Catholic Church and how this is a global psyops, white hat, black hat. Um, It was phenomenal. I I actually was a front row seat observer on that one, too. So we'll give everyone a little break from Corona, and we're going to go into something that none of us are experts on except the guy we're bringing on, Nick, and more simulation theory. Did the world end in 2012? Dimension jumping. All the kind of fun shit that I fucking love. And I'm not an expert in. So excited about that. But before we do that, Bobby, I think, being that we're the only two on here from the OG crew, I think we should fucking snake them and steal another pick in the Corona Celebrity Draft. Yeah, I think we need to snipe. Kurt sniped one this morning. I actually yeah, really like this pick. sniped one. Who did he take this morning? Uh, he took uh, that guy from SNL. Dude from that Saturday Night Live, Davidson or whatever. Davidson. Yeah, that's a good one. Like I said, he good has an pick. autoimmune disorder, so he already yeah, has a compromised pick. immune pick. system. Prone to coronavirus. I like it. Yeah. So if you guys don't know what the fuck we're talking about, you didn't listen to episode 17 and therefore go fuck yourself. But go (laughs) listen to episode 17. We did a 30 minute uh, fantasy celebrity draft that was incredible. It was probably my favorite 30 minutes we've ever done on the podcast. And now we have a scoring system. We're going to drop a periscope probably in a couple days with the scoring system. I believe right now we have like you get 12 points if someone dies, six points if someone gets diagnosed with corona, three points for a quarantine, one point for a family member. So we're coming up with the scoring system. We'll do a periscope on that. But let's get to Nick. Bobby, give me your pick as we snake the other two people and add to our supplemental draft. Yeah, I put some thought into it. I think um, I'm going to go with a news anchor, Anderson Cooper, who is Mr. CNN, CIA, CNN, uh, son of a Vanderbilt. So deep state ties with Anderson Cooper. And he looks like he contracted it 12 years ago. Yeah, he looks like he's been living on Andrina (laughs) Crone. So uh, I'm going to go with Madonna. I'm going to snake Madonna from the group. I know there's some stuff circulating and some, some, some uh, I guess, 4chan and some of these other places. So I'm going to grab Madonna. That's a really good waiver one. claim. So you got Anderson Cooper. I got Madonna. And now we'll bring on someone who I respect more than Anderson Cooper and Madonna combined. Nick Hinton is joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Nick, N-I-C-K, Hinton, H-I-N-T-O-N-N. Nick, I believe your name only has one N, but your Twitter has two. Explain that. Um, I'm pretty sure there was like some British musician that, that already stole my name. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it wasn't like a regular yeah. kid who you could have given a few hundred bucks to, right? Like, <laughs> right, right. Do you have uh, any I of his to... music? That's the next question. <laughs> no, I don't. Is it possibly you from a parallel universe that Dimension jumped into the same world that you're in right now? <laughs> Dude, it could be. I mean, I like making music. I need to. I need to hit that guy yeah, up. Yeah, you and need see what he's doing. That's your next rabbit hole. So if you guys don't follow Nick on Twitter, you have to. It's fucking. It's just. It's my favorite. It's you, Sather, and like two other people that are my favorite Twitter feeds. But you did something that I'm gonna piggyback and copy from you for the No Mercy Pod. You have your pinned tweet, which is a thread of my threads. So you have like each topic, like Antarctica, dimension jumping. And then it just unrolls into your whole breakdown of it, which I think is is just absolutely fucking brilliant. Right, yeah. And actually, all my threads aren't even on there anymore because um, it stopped letting me add more tweets to it. So. Oh, really? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I'm going to have to make a new archive somewhere. 
that thread unroll thing is good. If you guys haven't seen that, that thread unroll thing is something that I've been using a lot lately. So let me give you a little background to Nick. So I'll let you explain this. I'll just kind of tee it up. So you wrote a book. Uh, you authored the Saturn Time Cube Simulation. So one, where yeah. do people find that and how did you come about that? Well, I've been researching people like David Icke and Jordan Maxwell and a few other people for like 10 years. And this stuff's just been stirring in my mind forever. And I felt like the only way to get it out was just to write about it. And um, once I put it on Twitter, it just blew up like way more than I expected. Mm -hmm. And that was actually, I, I had talked about Saturn time cube before that 2012 thing that blew up, but the Saturn time cube is what really got my Twitter popular. And I didn't see that coming at all. That was cr- And so nuts. I just, yeah. So I just decided to condense it all into a book and decided to sell it in case people wanted the information to like, you know, have for themselves instead of, cause it's all free right. online, but just in case it gets taken down or if you appreciate the work that much that you just want it. Well, I mean, I think there's one thing in this industry that a lot of people don't understand that most of us now I run a, you know, a sports business that we do millions of dollars in sports business sales and shit like that, which right now I'm making $0 this month, but mo- yeah. most conspiracy theorists, don't make much money, right? Like, like even Tripoli talks about it all the time. Like when you first get started in this, whether you're doing a podcast or whether you're promoting on Twitter, you know, our, basically our job is to consolidate information from all over the world and all over the globe and all over the internet and then make it in a, in a consumable form for people. So a lot of the stuff that right. you're doing is free. You're doing podcasts, you're doing all this stuff. So, I mean, I think more than just having a book to consolidate the information, like, Support the people you respect, whether it's Sather or Hinton or No Mercy or Tripoli. Like, you have to support the people who are giving you this information just because, you know, we're not trying to fill this with 100 ads and do all that kind of stuff. We're trying to keep it clean, right? So and I think other, it's just right. Yeah, and the other thing about thing. it, about the conspiracy theory side of it, is you're selling yourself as much as your ideas. And, the, and the, the problem that comes along with that, especially in the conspiracy community, I guarantee Nick has dealt with this, is that when you start to make a profit off of it, you get people calling you things yeah. like, you know, oh, this is a PSYOP or, you know, you're – your CIA yeah, yep. or your Commer- government you went commercial, yeah. you sold out. Yeah. One, yeah. Anyone, you know, you, you call it, you know, they, they'll, they'll, they'll accuse you of doing that. So, you know, the bigger you get in the conspiracy community, the more people think that, you know, you're either a psyop or you're part of the disinformation campaign. So there's kind of like a double edged sword in this community as well, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And where do they get right. it? Or- yeah, I'm sorry, Nick. Go. I was just going to say, and people just get mad in general. They're like, isn't money like the antithesis of like what you're trying to talk about? And I'm like, well, the fact of the matter is we live in a capitalist society and that's what you have to do to survive. Like this takes a lot of time and energy and like, you know, mental energy more than anything. And so like, I think there's value there and you need to exchange value. Like that's a karmic rule, at least in my opinion. But yeah, so I've been doing everything organically. Like I have, um, I'm just selling the books through, myself like people just have to dm me and then i will send them the paypal link and whatever and if you haven't got your book yet i apologize everything's been crazy because of the coronavirus and i was in california and i moved there and then i had to get the hell out of there and move back home and everything's just been like so crazy lately all right so the best way um, to get it would be to just shoot you a dm hmm. right yeah and right now i'm only doing the um pdf version the online version just because of once anyway so how else yeah. would, would you would want in this community, you know, make a dollar for their time? Do you have like a Patreon account or anything like that? 
No, that's something I plan on doing in the future, though. Yeah. I, I plan um, on becoming have... Nick's agent and setting all this up for him and getting <laughs> on his brilliance. So. <laughs> That that would be awesome because I'm not too business savvy. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. I have a finance degree from Villanova. We'll be good. I'll take care of all this. I've started four companies. I got you, Nick. So I'm gonna I'm gonna adopt his brilliance. Kind of <laughs> like I did with you, Bob. To, Nick's trying to get he's trying to get a free copy of your book, Nick. That's what he's trying yeah. To no, a hundred percent, definitely am, and a part two to this podcast <laughs> lined up. But kind of like what I did with you, Bob, except I don't give you any money. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. perfect. So, so, but uh, also, so make sure you go over there, get the book, uh, Saturn Time Cube Simulation, DM Nick, at Nick Hinton, N-I-C-K-H-I-N-T-O-N-N. Uh, another thing that you're doing right now is you're the brand development leader of the Randonauts. And I don't know too much about this, but I do know I stumbled across one of your threads, and it was the dimension jumping thread, and we're going to get to this. I'm just going to read this, and I want you to explain this, Nick, and then you could dovetail it into the Randonauts. It says, the day I watched this episode, I also stumbled upon an article by The Phantom Project. The article described as being able to help one jump dimensions and even hack the Matrix. Now you're in my, like, love world. Needless to say, I was intrigued. (laughs) I was the 333rd member, and we'll talk about that in a second, to join, and I now run the social media. So, are you a dimension jumper, Nick? And what the fuck did I just read, and how can you teach me how to do it? (laughs) Well... I mean, honestly, I think everyone's a dimension jumper. I mean, there's like a theory out there that I don't know if you've heard of. Um, I think it's Zeno's paradox or the the arrow paradox or something like that. But um, I could be butchering that. But there's this there's this one philosophical problem that says like nothing ever actually moves, you know, because if you shoot an arrow and you pause at every single moment in time, it's just in a different place. It's not actually moving. It's just transporting itself from one place to the next place to the next place. And if you study people like Nassim Haramine, he thinks that there is no movement. Things are just constantly like atoms are just rearranging all the time, constantly through like mini wormholes. It's it's like this super crazy theory. Oh, I love it. Keep I going. think we're dimension. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not a physicist. I'm not too good at explaining it, but I think we're dimension jumping all the time. And so I think there's ways to um, do that more um, like dramatically rather than subtly. So and, you think that gonna... explains like glitches that we may be seeing or occurring or like, you know, like things like the Mandela effect? Is that kind of what contributes to that? Yeah, that that ties in this. So the randonauts, basically, I think it helps with dimension jumping because it's like a more dramatic way to get off of your predetermined path. So like basically people are kind of robotic creatures. Like we have all these subconscious thoughts and subconscious patterns that we don't notice and we have external influences and like – um you know, things kind of put you in a probability tunnel. Like there's only so many choices that you can make every day based on like who you are as a person. But what the Randonauts um, project does is it's using a bot, which we actually have an app now, but originally we were using this online bot, which uses quantum randomness to pick locations for you to just travel to. And so if you're going to places that are totally quantumly random, like that's something that that you would have never done. Even if you're walking across the street at this, at like a certain time of the day, like you normally would have never been there. So you're changing your entire like predetermined mm. path. I don't know if that makes no. sense. So, so yeah. So um, have either of you guys ever seen the movie Sliding Doors? I'm, I'm just trying to relate to the lay. I know you two are going to go off on like, you know, nerd heaven talking about the Matrix and shit. <laughs> so I'm going to try and speak to the dummies out there like me. Um, have you ever seen Sliding Doors? No, I have not seen okay. that movie. So it's basically a movie about... Um, I believe it was a bus like when the girl got on the bus, this happened to her life when she didn't. This happened to her life. You know, butterfly effect, other movies like that where like one single decision changes the outcourse of your life. 
you're actually saying that we're moving to different timelines consistently. So if I decide right now to either go to 7-Eleven or go to CVS, that that could actually put me on a separate timeline? Yes, and you're creating like a forking path. But um, going to 7-Eleven or going to your neighbor's house or something like that, that's something that's somewhat predetermined. It's like a probability tunnel. You know, there's like so you have like a wide tunnel that you exist in and there's so many different things you can do, but it's, it's still limited. But by using the bot that chooses quantum locations for you, you're breaking out of that because those are things that you could have never thought of yourself. So therefore, when you you do that, does that disrupt everybody else in the butterfly effect? Right? So if you guys are operating based on randomness, will that then affect my timeline as well? Because your randomness may affect somebody else, and then it has like a cascade effect. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And we we kind of some of us think that's possible that we're actually affecting like the like the whole of reality. But so far, we really don't know what we're doing. We just call this project a phenomenon because so far, what we've seen is that a lot of the times when people go to these quantum random locations, they experience really weird uh, synchronicities. Mm. So you said that uh, the next thing that I stopped on your post that I was reading off your timeline is anyway, when I first found it, my mind was blown. I've experienced many strange things with it. Uh, Those are stories for another time. Uh, Let's make this another time. So like, give me something that's happened through the Randonauts thing that you've done that, you know, you don't have to tell all of them, but like something that really made you a believer. You know how we all have that moment when we become a believer in whatever it is, whether it's, you know, uh, ghosts or religion or that 9-11 was an inside job whatever it is there's that moment where you go oh shit like uh, this is real right like what was your moment right well in like a cliche sense i think it did cause me a dimensional jump because like once i got involved in the project things just started drastically changing for me in my own life like i felt a sense of meaning i felt like you know this project was my purpose and then you know, I, all my stuff on Twitter started blowing up. So it was like, I jumped to a dimension where I was doing the thing that I wanted to do. Right. But I mean, besides that, just recently, like the coolest thing that has happened the most recently was, um, I went to Texas to visit my friend who actually was the, uh, like the original organizer of the Randonauts community. And we decided to go Randonauting together. And um, sounds so cool. That sounds awesome. (laughs) I want to do do that so bad. It sounds sounds so much somebody. I just want to text somebody, bro. You want to rando not? Dude, me, Bob. Let's go. (laughs) I got no sports. I got nothing going on in the world right now. But it sounds so much better. Like I wanted to do the uh, ayahuasca ceremony and all that. And then I read about it. Like I got to throw up and detox and I may have a bad trip. (laughs) Sounds so much safer and so much cooler. Right. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. So go on. Sorry. I mean, it it can be it can be dangerous maybe i mean so there's this thing in the community called the despair meme which like basically when people first use the app they have this very strange feeling of like despair and they're like what am i doing i don't want to do this and Bobby. we think that's caused we think that's caused by like um you know your brain's natural reaction to entering the unknown right. like mm-hmm. it's more comfortable cognitive with, dissonance you know, doing stuff, yeah, breaking all that yeah but if you can get past that you're bound to experience some like meaningful coincidence and um but so recently I went to Texas to go ran or not with my friend and um, we had a fire the night before and we were just talking about how we thought the old world was dying and like all these old orga- like organizational structures, like power structures are coming to an end and eventually we're going to see some new ones. Like the world is going to, you know, drastically change. And this was before the coronavirus scare. Mm-hmm. So now we're seeing all these power structures fall and transform. It, but anyways, we were talking about that the night before. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? No, 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 go. Listen, I always cut in. So just just run right through me. 
all good. So we were, we were talking about that the night before. And so the next day we go random nodding and um, the first point that we're brought to is this giant cemetery in Dallas. And the exact point is this gigantic, like super duper tall, like obelisk looking um, gravestone. And it was uh, dedicated to like some Confederate uh, soldier or general or something, but it was covered in like trash bags and like it was all fenced in. And there was a security guard standing there. I was like, hey, why is this like like this? And she's like, well, people keep, um, you know, vandalizing it and like spray painting on it and stuff. And it's about to be taken down. And um, me and my friend, we were just like, OK, that's kind of weird. In right. hindsight, like, you know, we we're just talking about the, the organizational structures like the old world dying. And that's literally one of the symbols of the old world. Right. And it's coming down. You know, they're about to demolish it. And then so we got another point and um it led us to a bar that's literally only open. Wait, this thing leads you to Saturday. bars? <laughs> I'm, all, I'm yeah. all the way the fuck in, Nick. <laughs> like, like uh, if I can end up at a bar, I'm in. Go on. Actually, a lot more than you'd expect. Oh, yes. I'm a um, random nutter. So it led us to a bar that was literally only open on Saturdays. It was like a brewery, and it turns into a bar on Saturdays mm. only for a three-hour window. And it led us there while it was open on Saturday, wow. and we got to go inside. And, but the weird thing was is that it was on this road called Inspiration Avenue. And the first spot ever that this um, that my friend went to was a cemetery. And there was a sign at his point that said the Garden of Inspiration. So already you have two more synchronicities, mm. the Inspiration Avenue and the cemetery. Yeah, this sounds like a – so, not to interrupt, just sounds like a good DMT trip. I don't know if you guys are like in the Terrence McKenna family or anything like that. but Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. It's 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 – it's all based on synchronicity. Like you can definitely get lost in all these weird connections. Wow. But um, so we go into the bar and we grab a beer and then we go to the back of the room and there's all these writings on the wall. And let me let me stop you there for and, a second. So when you go into the bar, like you're just basically almost like trusting your instincts and just running with it. Right. Like you don't go in there with a plan. You're not saying like, all right, we're going to have a drink. We're going to stay for an hour. You're just basically living your life and seeing where it takes you when you do that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Just go with the flow. Okay. And so we go in there, we grab beer, and then we go all the way to the back of the room. And in the Randonaut community, we have this meme about this um, being named Steve. Like a weird like head, AI. right? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> we, just call, we just call him Steve. <laughs> and, um, and there was a huge writing on the wall that just said, hi, Steve. Oh, get no. the fuck so, out of here, dude. Yeah, and so we thought that was crazy. We were fuck? freaking out. So we drink our beer and we're like, okay, that was probably what we were supposed to see, and we leave. And then, um, you know, on our way out, what's no, up? Go, 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 go. Okay, so on our, on our way- <laughs> we have a million questions, so just run. <laughs> we'll follow. <laughs> on our way out, um, I was like, okay, we should probably hit just one more. And just for context, like this is a few days after I had just announced the next randonaut event, which was on three fourteen Pi Day, which was the randonaut's birthday. Uh-huh. So I told everyone to set their intention towards finding balloons, birthday cake, or like presents or something that deals with birthdays. Uh-huh. So, th- so this was like a few days before the Randonauts' birthday and a few days after I had announced that event. And so we get in the car, we hit one more point, we start driving down the street, and all of a sudden we see all these balloons in the sky that said 2020. Come on, dude. Yeah, dude, it was crazy. And then <laughs> we went to the point and we didn't find anything, but I was like, dude, it was definitely the balloons. And we were like... 
it was just crazy. Th- th- this shit is so intriguing to me. And I know there's going to be people. I don't think our listeners. I think our listeners are more open minded. But there's going to be so many people out there when you explain this. Like, I'm going to want everyone in my family to listen to this thing, this episode that are going to go, oh, well, it's just coincidence. You know, if you're looking for balloons. That, but I feel like that's the most negative bullshit mindset that is we're trained. Like, that's the wall, right? Like, whenever you yeah. say something, like when I showed the Michelle Obama, you know, stuff where we say, like, dude, she's got a dick. Like, immediately, it's Photoshopped, you know? And then when I show them a, a yeah. video of, so that's a deep fake. Like, that programming is the exact thing that you have to be able to move past in order to really experience all this stuff. Yeah, that's right? that. Uh, like, ex- exactly. That is the wall. That's yeah. the devil. The argument against, and like, what you should be doing is listening to this, appreciating it, going, oh, awesome. You know what? I want to try this. I want to go to, you know, Randonauts and I want to go on a trip with my friend and live my own experience. And then after I go through it, if I don't experience anything like Nick did, well, then I could at least have some data behind it and say, all right, maybe it wasn't for me. I'm not ready for it. I don't believe in it. But to just discredit shit because you don't understand it is the definition of ignorance. Yeah, and that's kind of like the Mr. Smith right. effects. Like, I know, know a lot of people have seen The Matrix, but uh, uh, Mr. Smith, wasn't Mr. Smith was the protector of The Matrix, right? He was one of the the, the agents. Right. And so whenever anything would break the mold in The Matrix, you know, he could morph into that body. So that's kind of like your defense mechanism is like you're you're protecting The Matrix with that. Oh, no. But... This stuff isn't – it's not that complicated of a theory when you break it down. Even Kurt was talking about it with his trans surfing where, like, the idea of intent can sometimes manifest reality as well. So, I mean – yeah, yeah, exactly. That's That definitely plays in reality trans surfing. Like I said, we're always traveling through dimensions, but you can, you know, make it more dramatic of a shift. Like, you can start going upwards or downwards into these different timelines rather than, you know, going straight. So, it's, yeah. I was just going to say from a from a to give it like an analogy of a regular perspective, right? Like I get a lot of tweets and stuff like, like, dude, I have no business being where the fuck I am doing what I'm doing, making the money I'm making, living the life that I'm living. None at all. Like I came from a poor household. My dad left when I was little. I was a complete fuck up until I was like 30 years old. And then I just I had some sort of epiphany in life. It was more from a business perspective. Um, I ran into a mentor of mine when I worked in the stock trading world, and he had this sign that he put above my desk. And he was very, like, we called it spiritual, right? But right in line with what we're talking about here. And, he, and the sign said, words create your world. You know? And I'll, oh, yeah. And I'll never, I definitely believe that. I'll never forget that quote. Now, I never looked at it from a dimension jumping standpoint. I looked at it from a, you know what? If I think positive things and if I look for positive things, positive things will happen to me because it puts me on that track mentally. And I remember the first thing I did when I got there, my, I wanted a Jaguar. Like, that was like my dream car. And I put a picture of the Jaguar XFR up on my wall. And a year and a half later, I had it. And, and I was never making money to afford a $100,000 car or anything. And that's what kind of took me on. Then I was like, you know what? I want to be on the radio. And then next thing you know, I had a serious XM show. And the conspiracy shit that me and Bob were talking about about two years ago when we started this, everyone was against it. And they're like, conspiracies, you're not going to make any money doing conspiracies. And I was like, this is my calling. Like, this is what I want to do. I have a feeling that this is going to take me somewhere. And next thing you know, I'm on fucking Tripoli's show. I'm interviewing Nick Hinton, who I was literally, like, following and, like, obsessed with. Like, it it does work like that in real life, not just in dimension jumping, but it's probably the same thing, right? Yeah, it definitely is. It's all metaphors for the same thing. And like you were saying, like, think about in the Bible, it even tells us that God created the world through his word. And it says that, you know, that people are made in the image of God. So whether you believe in the Bible or not, I think there's like some mystical teachings in there that can be used by everybody. And I think that's true, that if we're made in the image of God, if we're creators, 
then we can use our words to create our reality and not just like in the cliche sense of like, you know, you walk up to someone and say, hey, fuck you. You're gonna have a fucked up reality. Or if you say, hey, have a good day, you might have a better reality. But, I, you know, books, there's words in books and there's whole universes in those books just from those words. And then if you think about like Nikolai Tesla, he told us the secrets of the universe were, you know, frequency and vibration. Right. What are words? Mm-hmm. They're just frequencies and vibrations. Wave, and if you right, study, yeah. if you study cymatics, you know, sound literally creates shapes and matter. Mm-hmm. So I think you're re- really shaping your reality with the words you speak every day on such a deep level, not just like positive thinking. Stuff. Yeah, I've um, I've talked about that a lot because I'm a musician. So um, and I have an autoimmune disorder. So I've studied a lot of like alternative methods of healing and one of which is sound healing. And so I've learned a lot about, you know, frequencies that are resonant and frequencies that are dissonant. You know, um, you know, there's been water molecule experiments. There's been uh, sand experiments that show that certain frequencies uh, uh, produce different uh, geometrical patterns. And there's healing frequencies and there's ones that can actually have cancerous effects. So, you know, when you think of that, I'm a big Tesla guy. So when you think of everything in terms of vibration and frequency, that that's really kind of along the same lines, and so when you when you change twe- do little tweaks in your lifestyle, whether it's either through intent or whether it's through things like you know altering literal frequencies that you put into your brain uh, brain and your wavelength, um, you start to notice that your little differences in your life, whether it's who you hang out with, your the jobs, the opportunities that come across your path. Um, laws, of attraction. laws of attraction, yeah, all yeah, that exactly. stuff. It, it yeah. all kind of yeah. like how are the three of us on here together, right? Like if you think about all this shit, like all these worlds are colliding and and growing. And think about how many people we're gonna have twenty thousand, maybe even thirty with you on it, Nick. That twenty people that are gonna listen to this, and maybe a hundred of those people start to change, and then they affect a hundred people. And you know that's really what this is all about for all of us, right? Right. Like minds attract like minds. Right. Yeah. It's sick. And then and you going through. I mean, I saw your tweet. I want to get right back to this topic, but I wanted to, I saw your tweet the other day about the Denver airport, right? Like yeah, so yeah. we already know we're going to do Bobby. We should probably do a whole episode on the Denver airport. We haven't done one yet. We, we've touched on it and talked about it and shit. There's some fucked up shit about the Denver airport, but if you want to give like a 30 second or five minute, however long you want to go about just a couple points about the Denver airport, what makes it such a weird spot. And then what just happened to you literally the other night? Yeah. So, I mean, the Denver airport, that was like, the first thing I discovered like probably 10 years ago that really sent me down the rabbit hole of Illuminati and new world order and all that stuff. And, um, but yeah, it's just a really creepy place. It's like the largest, um, airport in North America. It's like miles long. Like you have to take trains to get everywhere. And there's these creepy tunnels where like sometimes the tunnel, like if you watch while you're on the train, there's these little, there's other pathways where it says do not enter. And then, you know, everyone or a lot of people know about the creepy murals that used to be on the walls. I'm pretty sure they took most of them down, Mm -hmm. if not all of them. But um, now they have like these posters everywhere that's like mocking. Well, and and that's what I was going to ask you, right? Like people go, oh, it's a joke. It's like, no, it wasn't a joke initially. They're trying to make it a joke now because too many people started fucking researching the shit that was going on at the Denver airport. Now they're trying to say, ha ha, we're the home of the Illuminati. Ha ha. Right. Like, do you have the same approach? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think they're mocking people. And I also think that, like, these dark magicians kind of have to tell the truth in order to lessen their karma. So, like, in the movies, when you see all these, like, subliminal messages about what's going to happen, like, everyone, a lot of people know that before 9-11 happened, there was a bunch of movies that predicted mm-hmm. 9-11. So sure. I think when these dark magicians orchestrate these events, they have to tell the truth. And so it's like the karma is not fully on them. It's like 
well, we told you what we were going to do and you didn't stop. I mean, look us, at Bill so. Gates. Bill Gates gave a TED talk four years ago about coronavirus talking about they didn't call it coronavirus. But he said the next, you know, you know, wep- nuclear weapon isn't going to be a bomb. It's not going to be, you know, guns. It's not going to be weapons. It's going to be a, you know, a, a microbe that is going to affect the whole world. And like he and now he's the one who's stepping down from Microsoft. He wants to create the vaccination. So obviously our mindset, I don't know if you're in the same camp, is that. Bill Gates probably created this thing so that he can make money off the cure or whatever. And that might be why he forecasted it four years ago for a karmic reason. Right. Yeah. But go on with the. Um, Oh yeah. And so, you know, um, basically when I was there, I just noticed that even beyond all of the like creepy posters and like the talking gargoyles and shit like that, that it just like I think it purposely plays mind games with you. Like you'll walk into like hallways that are like super bright colors, like alarming colors, like black and yellow, you know, kind right. of like police tape uh, pattern. And then you'll walk right from that room into another room that just says like relax, yeah. like all like in huge letters on the wall. I'm like, dude, is this place trying to freaking create cognitive dissonance in people? Like, is it experimenting with people? I don't know. It, no, that might it, be it's nuts. Yeah, it does do that. I've been there multiple times. We had an office in my stock trading uh, company that I owned. We had an office in Denver, and I almost moved to Denver. I loved it so much there. But I've been in that airport probably 15 times before I was even into all this shit. And I would walk through it like, what the fuck? What is this place? It was it felt like you were in like Alice in Wonderland or like a bad acid trip. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The really weird thing about but that so- airport is that it's like $2 billion over budget or something. And it's not even a very busy airport. So the, yeah. the the budget for the airport is is very alarming too, and I think and it's not even done. It's constantly being yeah, built. They keep adding to it. <laughs> Wasn't some weird thing with Barack Obama being there? There was some like some meteor scare in 2011, and Barack Obama just happened to be in Denver at that same time, and a lot of people thought he was hiding there. So. I don't know. Hmm. About that. I haven't heard that yeah. one, but yeah, I I definitely think there's a bunker underneath there. Yeah, there definitely is. So so you were in there the other day. This was what? This was literally like a few days ago, right, Nick? Yeah, this is a few days ago. This was when I was on my way home from California. I had a layover in Denver for like seven hours. So that's why I was like walking around, taking pictures of all the weird posters and just seeing what the place is about. And um, yeah, it lived up to the expectations. And then they were having, you know, emergency testing, you know, testing all these different things like, uh, oh, there's an intruder in here. Oh, there's a tornado on the way. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And then that if you saw the tweet, there was that super weird demonic dude, that was sounding message. Up, dude. And then they put a message. That, no, that was not normal. <laughs> Is there a way you can play no. that? Is there a way you can play that? Um, let me see. If, while Nick's talking, let yeah. me see if I can pull it up. All right, go, Nick. Continue the story. But, yeah, I mean, I just, like, sat there. I was like, okay, that's uh, a little abnormal. But, yeah, people on Twitter were like, oh, it was just a test. I was like, well, that's one hell of a glitch. You know, <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> – how bad do you have to be at creating like these test runs for for that to happen? All right, let me see. I have it here. Let me see if I could turn the volume up. I'm terrible with this shit. You know, so. it reminds me of the voices that you hear when you're performing like exorcism and the demons trying to get out. It uses that yeah. <laughs> right. Hold on, right. let me play it. I have it right here. All right, hold on. So I'm gonna turn the volume up. All right. So this is Nick in the airport. This is what he heard. <laughs> like, what was that supposed that? to say? Like, that is literally a soundbite from a fucking horror movie. <laughs> like, 
That is insane. And of course, everyone, I mean, you know, this obviously got some traction. I think you got like 63,000 likes on it or something. But like, yeah, holy, like that's some fun. And, and what they're going to try and say that's that's normal. Like, I think if that happened anywhere else, you might you'd still think it's weird as fuck. Well, I, I read one comment. I read one comment. It was like, oh, that's just a, a, a an emergency test of the system. And I'm sitting here like, dude, first of all. First, if you do an emergency test, shouldn't you do it in a voice where everybody can hear what the fuck you're saying? <laughs> it's usually like, like Janet from The Good Place, right? right. Like, this is a test yeah, of the emergency yeah. broadcasting system. Not like, you're all going to die. We're going to eat your babies. Like, like, uh, right. Uh, Let's turn fucking, the echo yeah. and the reverb on, like, full blast. <laughs> yeah. That was fucking nuts. What was that gong sound at the beginning, too? That was even That's more- insane. All of it. Like, the whole fucking video is insane. Yeah. So uh, I guess if you want to search on Twitter, just search Nick Hinton's Twitter and then write uh, Denver International Airport. It probably should be the first thing that comes up uh, if you search it. Yeah, Sam Sam Tripoli, he couldn't even believe it. He texted me. He's like, is that real? Or are you messing with people? I was like, no, dude, that's definitely it's definitely I real. literally said, Nick, because I know you and I know how legit and like you're just a good kid. You know, like like Bobby's a good kid. I say it all the time. I'm a fuck up. So if I post that, <laughs> it's up. But you two are actually good kids. So when you two post something, even if it ends up maybe not being 100% accurate, I always assume your intent is correct, right? Like you're for the people. You want to enlighten. You want to do all that stuff. So I would have advised you. I would have showed your face first and been like, yo, this is Nick Hinton. Listen to this, you know, so that people don't think <laughs> right, you yeah. it. But I know for a fact that was you in the airport. <laughs> And, and the creepiest part about it is it wasn't like one thirty in the morning in the airport. It was like there was no empty. one in there. It was like just and that's what, when you talk about the dimension jumping and shit and the shit that Nick's involved in, like it almost makes it even weirder. Right. That like there's no one there. It's just him in the fucking Illuminati headquarters of travel. And all of a sudden this shit comes on and he's the only fucking person there to hear it or see it. You know, like it's- I honestly did feel like I was like, dude, this is so perfect. This is perfect timing. I was like, this is going to make some great content. I wasn't scared. I was like, I was like, I was talking about Denver Airport years ago and now I'm living. Yeah, it, so no, this, yeah. Is That's, this is like they're warning to you, the overlords, like you're getting too close to the source. <laughs> you need to back off. Right? You need right. to take that file and send it to someone who could like analyze it and see what they're really saying. But so so that's crazy. We'll probably do a whole thing on Denver Airport for you guys. I'm sure we're going to get a thousand tweets after this for people who wanted it because we get them anyway. But your your big things. <clears throat> and by the way, Randonauts is Randonauts is not spelled knots. N-O-T-S. It's R-A-N-D-O-N-A-U-T-S. Right. Yes. Like a cosmonaut who explores the right. Random. So give them the website that they can go to, because I know initially when I first went on it, I think it was still in beta. I give them the website and the app so they know where because I'm going to write it down and go there, too. Okay, so the app on the App Store, um, we have one for iOS and Android. Um, it's just Randonautica. That's the app. And then you can still use the the Fadem bot, the original Fadem bot, just by going to our subreddit. You can find it through links on there or just by going to randonauts.com. Okay, randonauts.com or randonautica. Okay, cool. So and One quick thing about the randonauts. I, d- I didn't get to finish that yeah, story. Go, go. And I don't know oh, if this, dude, this is jumping show, all baby. over the place too much. Yeah, go. But um, so we saw those balloons, right? Yep, and I, I just want I just want to uh, finish this because I there think it'll blow your mind yeah. even more. But we we um we weren't randonauting like so we went back home and we we weren't randonauting and we went to bed or whatever and then we woke up in the morning and there was a deflated balloon in the front yard. Come on. So yeah, come on. Were you near where the balloons were floating? Like, oh no no no, we were in like downtown Dallas and he he doesn't live. I feel like you, somebody's trying to tell you a mess, like give you a message, you know. Like, I want to protect him, dude. He's such a good and, kid. I want to like to be like Nick. Come live with me. Stay here. 
You know, like we'll get Mad Lab over here, Bobby, and like we'll get some guns and shit. I think they're about to come after him. Is it like, po- Nick? Is it possible <laughs> like the Randonauts are building like a Tower of Babel, and this is like their message, like almost like a like a like a mafia message saying like if you keep fucking with the Matrix, like we're gonna, you know. We're going to do something. It seems like you guys aren't listening to whatever this message is, which is fine by me. (laughs) (laughs) We love it. And here's the the other cool thing about it. So you're saying we should get Nick because we said we're going to bring him on again to hit all the other shows. You're saying we should get him on as many times as possible, as quick as possible. As quick as possible. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like at worst, this rando not uh, club is a good excuse to go drink with some buddies anyway. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) fucking awesome yeah i love it or try it on mushrooms yeah, yeah that's what i was gonna say <laughs> yeah. let's get some dmt and go around and here's a here's another important question is it possible that there's an interdimensional troll that's just trolling you guys that's one step ahead of you because i mean trolling does exist oh, on the internet so i'm wondering if there's an inter- interdimensional troll out there dude that's so that's possible like we talk about the trickster entity all the time like a loki or hermes type being mm-hmm. that could be you know, sending us little messages here and there. Because, you know, when you're messing with chaos, you know, these are gods of chaos, right. like Loki and, and Eris and, like, beings like that. So I think there is, like, a weird connection or, like, it might be, like, we're channeling those beings. But I don't think those beings are necessarily bad or good. I think they're, like, neutral. It's, like, non-dual. It's in the middle gray area. And I and I think honestly, as you go through your journey, which me and Bobby are already like texting, like planning to join you on or at least follow you, um, I think as you go through it, it's almost sim- like The Matrix is the movie that really blew my mind for some reason, and I wasn't really into you know the the kind of stuff that The Matrix talks about at that point, right? But for some reason, like I just had this feeling when I watched that movie. I was like, fuck. And that's what got me digging a little bit into Mandela effect, parallel universes, simulation theory, all that kind of stuff. Like you have these moments where, like you said, you just feel like you're serving your purpose, right? You feel like you're in the right spot. And that movie was one of them. So this is the point where I'm just like, maybe as you go through this, Nick, and I'm assuming anyone else who's going through uh, random knots or or doing their own kind of research on this, you begin to get more powerful like kind of Neo in the movie, right? Like the more enlightened you become. Yeah, I agree. You have more influence over the illusory reality. The more that you realize it's an illusion and it becomes more dreamlike too. It becomes more interesting. It's more like a game, which I think that's what reality originally was supposed to be was something that was for fun. Hmm. And it makes sense, right? Because that's the big thing that's missing right now. When we talk about possibly the world ending in 2012, which I want to get to probably next, um, that and the Saturn cube. But I have a question for you. So one of the things that I've always said was deja vu is something that makes me believe in reincarnation. And everyone else has come out, of course. They're like the human Snopes, I call them, right? Like whatever, whenever you start catching on to something, like Snopes comes out and debunks it, right? Because it's fucking, they have to stop the train of cognizance of getting to the ultimate goal of understanding that this isn't a real world, right? So there's human Snopes, right? No, no, the scientists said that it explained, deja vu was explained by this and that. And I'm like, no, I don't believe it. Like, I, I believe that it's like almost like a glitch in the matrix, Right. Like kind of like Westworld. Right. Like where you see Westworld. Where yeah. Have these little quick flashes that leads to their cognizance. What is your take being someone who is on this track of thought on the afterlife and on death and reincarnation? Like where, where do you fall? Because I'm assuming you're not overly religious. I'm just jumping out. there. I don't know what it is. But what's your take on what happens after this? Um, yeah, I'm not totally sure. And I you're think not going to be an authority. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, Nick said this, happened, <laughs> but like, wh- if you had to guess. 
Right. I'm not totally sure. I think that there might be astral realms that you travel to. Like in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, it talks about that there's like all these different heavens and hells that you can travel through. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it also talks about reincarnation. So I think that it's it's a combination of one of those. You know, I think that you can travel to different realities or you can come back to this one. But all in all, it's all the same. It's all an illusion. And I think, you know, so the scientists, they say that, um, you know, that the universe started with a big bang and it might end with a big crunch or a big bounce. Mm -hmm. And then the cycle repeats. So that to me, that's just like the cycle of samsara or, uh, yeah, I think that's what it's called. And, um, and like, if I think these are all metaphors for the same thing, like scientists are starting to catch up with like very old spiritual ideas Mm -hmm. and even simulation, even simulation theory, I think is, um, a version of like an old spiritual idea um because in gnosticism they talked about how reality was an illusion the material world was an illusion and they called it how h-a-l like hallucination Mm. but also what i find curious about that is that in 2001 space odyssey that's the name of the ai um in the spaceship and they're they're basically in that stuck in that spaceship which is like to me a metaphor for the illusory world we talked about 2001 i mean that's that's Mm -hmm. stanley kubrick you know yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And Bob, I, I'm really liking my title that I made up a year ago of agnostic supernaturalist. Yeah, agnostic I think, supernaturalist. I think it's, it's, all, it's all coming together right now. You said um, samsara, right? Was that the uh, is that like a the Buddhist belief in the cycle of reincarnation? Or is it, I'm pretty sure that's Hindu. Hindu? Hindus, I, yeah, yeah. And then Maya is the is the Buddhist idea that everything is illusion. Okay. And then Buddhists also have this idea that um, that reality is constructed like this thing called Indra's web, which is like Alan Watts describes it as like a giant cosmic spider web. And there's all these um, like droplets of water on it. And each droplet of water reflects each other droplet of water. And each reflection of each droplet reflect reflects the reflections within the reflections. It's like a hall of mirrors. Right. Sure. And so that's, so that's what I think is like th- that to me just screams simulation mm-hmm. theory because you know, there's scientists who are saying, well, we might live in a simulation within a simulation within a simulation because if you're ever to build a supercomputer, you know, within the supercomputer, beings would think they have free will and they'd build their own computers. Yep, and then yep. the beings in those computers would build their own computers. So, like I said, I think it's all an illusion. And I think it's a hall of mirrors that you have to, you know, you can travel through the hall of mirrors or you could come back to this realm. Or I think the ultimate goal is just to totally escape. But it's all about experience. And so, you can experience for as long as you need to and then find nirvana or source or whatever you want to call it. I think it's all the same stuff. Right. It's funny, Bobby, when we had that talk, as we started to really dive into this, you know, like me and you have been into, I don't even call it conspiracy theories. I say conspiracy realist instead of conspiracy theorist. But Bobby, when me and you started talking about this, we said, we talked about our path, right? How we went from very religious at one point when we were younger to almost atheist, right? Like beyond agnostic, like to atheist when we started getting into conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And now we're actually cycling back to religion in a different way, right? Like we don't necessarily believe there was a snake in the garden of Eden. We don't necessarily believe Jesus rose from the dead, but we believe that a lot of the metaphors in the Bible and the Quran and all these different testaments back in the day, actually maybe just that metaphors to what's going on in a different universe that was started and documented differently. Bobby, you're, you're in the same line with that, right? Yeah. Like we're almost heading uh, back. Yeah, I'm Sounds like sim- Nick saying similar yeah. things to that. I'm in a similar pa- path as that, you know, and one of the things that I always pinpoint is that a lot of these ancient biblical texts, they all speak about a flood. 
and that they all have the same commonalities as far as the flood occurring and you know the timelines are you know a little bit different on some of them but you know roughly 12,000 years ago we talk about a biblical flood and now we're seeing with a lot of these uncoverings and uh n- even new erosion patterns on pyramids and uh you know there there's obvious scientific proof to show that there was a flood of biblical proportions. So when you're looking at a lot, you know, even like you said, if you're not a believer of the Bible, there's a lot of a lot of historical significance within the Old and New Testament. And even there's a lot of allegorical stuff that you can even take messages from that you can live your life by. So, you know, however you approach reading these religious texts, you know, if you if you come at it with an open mind, I, I, just like with any conspiracy theory, I think there's something that you can extract and take from it. So, yeah, definitely. I love that. Uh, <clears throat> Nick, what do you think about there being possibly multiple Nick Hintons in multiple universes at the same time? Well, that's like that simulation within a simulation thing or Indra's web or parallel universes. And so, yeah, I think there was, I think we exist on many different dimensions at the same time and you're only tapped into one at a time, but like your higher self might be a part of all of them. We're able to jump even from one to another, right? Big yeah. Times are bad and times and so, are good. Now, now the world ending in so, 2000, oh, go on, go on. I was just going to say, so you're asking about deja vu and I think deja vu is like, so if the universe is constantly expanding and contracting and like, you know, going through the cycle of big bang, and big crunch or whatever. Um, that means beyond time, like if you get rid of time and you, and you stand above and from a bird's eye view, from a higher dimensional perspective, that means this cycle has happened an infinite amount of time. Right. So if you're having deja vu, I think, I think that makes sense because you've lived this life an infinite amount of times in an infinite amount of different ways through all the different dimensions, all the different universes, all the different timelines and whatever you want to call them. I've always felt like that. I've always felt like it's like a game, like a video game that we played. There's got to be a reason everyone's so obsessed with video games, but it's like a video game that you play, right? Like Zelda or Contra or any of that stuff when we were young, Bob, where like you, you try one thing and it doesn't work and you start from the beginning and then you try it and you change this one little thing and see how that goes and then you die and then you try it again and change this one little thing and you know the goal is to get to the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always felt like that's what life really is, right? Like, just like you said, Nick, keep experiencing and, and kind of going back, looking at your data, assessing, changing, tweaking, and then going and, you know, trying things again, not just stopping at that point. But the right. world ending in 2012 is something I get a lot of tweets about. I'm not as, as thorough of an expert as, you know, you and Bobby would be in this topic. But for people who have no idea what we're talking about here, how... Try to explain to them the world ending in 2012 tied in the project looking glass, whatever you want to do, but, but hit that. Well, yeah, I'm not like an expert in any of the project looking glass stuff. I mean, I know a little bit about it. Um, the most important thing to note is that like in project looking glass, um, so I forget who it was, but someone who was a part of that project said that they could not find any future beyond 2012. Mm-hmm. And then, there are some other people who said some similar things. I think Terrence McKenna talked about how 2012 would be um, the time wave zero or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Bob, before and so, we go into this, just in case anyone doesn't know, Bob, give them 30 seconds on what Project Looking Glass is for people that don't know what they're talking about. Well, the Project the Looking Glass. Technology. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Um, it's almost like a, a psychic amplifier, and it allows you to go forwards and backwards in time and predict probable outcomes. Um, so, like, the idea is that, like, you know, the idea is that you can sit in this, like, I know this sounds strange, but it's almost like this amplifying chair, and it would increase your, uh, you know, psychic uh, abilities. Uh, there's a movie called Contact that is a good 
frame of reference if you need that. But um, didn't the CIA like find like this alien technology? Isn't there CIA documentation of this? Uh, there's there's CIA documentation of like the Montauk project, which is kind of like where supposedly they they tested a lot of this looking glass technology. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. right. And there there's like uh, a few different devices. Like there was like this one thing kind of looked like the the machine from Contact, and then there was like the this like chair thing that could project your consciousness. It could help you like astral project or remote view or something like that. Then there was like the yellow cube, which I don't really know how that worked, but apparently you could hold it and it would like, uh, like you were saying, it would help you look at different probabilities. Now, and there's stuff is in movies left and right too. sitting in a chair, plugging in, you know, holding a certain black cube or device that's allowing you to see the future. Like this is all programmed in movies. And it's weird because, like, yeah. the, the you know, but you know about the alien craft that supposedly crashed, and you know we reversed en- engineered a lot. That's of, what I was talking about, right? It, yeah. And Ro- and Roswell. Yeah. Well, there was Roswell, and there was another one that the Nazis supposedly found, like during World War One, and that's why they got so obsessed with all the occult uh, symbolism. And I think even one of their Nazi secret societies was called like the Order of the Black Sun, which is really interesting too. Yeah. Um, and so then they became obsessed with all of this ancient technology, occult symbolism, you know, secret knowledge. And uh, so, you know, that that has a lot to do with, um, you know, similar, you know, predicting probable outcomes, looking glass and all that stuff. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think time so we got about really we got about. Yeah. yeah, we got about 20 minutes before Nick's got to jump, maybe 22, 25 minutes before Nick's got to jump. So, Nick, rock with 2012. OK, yeah. So the. um the world ending in 2012 theory, I had no idea that people like Terrence McKenna and people who worked on Looking Glass said things like that about 2012, but it, it riffs off that idea, I guess. And what I was most obsessed with was the fact that Stephen Hawking said that if we discovered the Higgs boson particle, that it could potentially destroy the universe and cause a catastrophic vacuum decay, which means that like the universe would basically just evaporate before we could even see. You know, it's like happens faster than the blink of an eye. And um, I think. Neil deGrasse Tyson was worried about it as well, which I don't really listen to him all that much. I think he's an actor and not a real scientist. But there's a bunch of people talking about how this thing could destroy the universe. And they CERN actually discovered the Higgs boson in 2012. Mm -hmm. And And by the way, if you guys want to look that up, that's CERN, C-E-R-N, if you want to start digging down a rabbit hole. Go on, Nick. And then, yeah, I mean, basically that's where the, the whole theory stems from is the fact that we discovered the Higgs boson in 2012 and it seems like there was a dramatic increase in mandela effects around that would we know is it an accident like what what um i don't think we would know i think it would take noticing little glitches little discrepancies in the timeline like the mandela effects and you think that so so some of the mandela effects might as well dovetail on some of those things right now bob we were talking on the show before about like ellis island statue of liberty what are some of the mandela effects if you want to explain what a mandela effect is first nick and then some of the ones that you really look at saying wow that one really bugged me out yeah so the mandela effects is um basically where you remember something being one way and finding out it's another way but you really really believe that it did used to be the other way it's not just a false memory it's like history literally changed and um some of the ones that freak me out the most like in my 2012 thread i talk about how i thought that the statue of liberty used to be on ellis island Mm -hmm. and it's it's really on liberty island and i found uh, like some evidence like there was paintings that made it look like that it was on um ellis island instead of liberty island and 
you know, there's like movies where it shows Ellis Island. And I found like all these weird Facebook photos where people said they were at Ellis Island by the Statue of Liberty and there's just nothing behind them. Mm -hmm. It's like super creepy to look at. And um, the original YouTube video I posted in the thread has actually been deleted. Really? But um, yeah, because no, I tried to show some, someone uh, DM'd me about it and I tried to find it again. Like I went through my thread and found the link and, it, and the video was just gone. But um, <clears throat> the other creepy thing I found was that if you go on Google Maps or like Google Street View and you go to um, Liberty Island, there's like a certain view you can find where you look at the Statue of Liberty mm -hmm. and it's just it's not there. Mm. And the person who took the pictures, the account that took the pictures, it says is the, the creator of the Statue of Liberty. I forget his name. So you're saying the person that took the photo's name was the same as the name of who created the Statue of Liberty? Yeah, it's, it, that's the account. Yeah. <laughs> and it's strange. That's a very strange and the, and the funny thing is, we talked about this, Bob, how they're trying to stop us from discovering this stuff, like by creating things like deep fakes and photoshops and all that. So that when we say to everyone, oh, it's photoshopped, oh, it's a deep fake, and you can just throw it away. But like, dude, Looney Tunes, Bernstein Bears, Skechers, like, I know for a fucking fact that that was not spelt the way it was. I like, I, you know, right. and, and so many people feel so strongly about this that if you ask like 10 people, you know, without letting them know what you're doing, <clears throat> I did this with a couple of people when I had it, where I was at a house party and I was talking a little bit about the Mandela effect. And I wrote that, I forget where they were. I had a list of like seven things that I pulled off the internet. It was Bernstein Bears, JCPenney, Looney Tunes, and like two others. And I said, write these names down. And I had all 10 people write down. They were all around my age, so they were growing up during this time. And I think every single person except one had all of them done the same exact way. And that's when I went, okay, really? And that's when everyone went, wow. Damn. You know, like, if, Damn. it was really nuts. But the Mandela effect, for people that don't know why they call it that, it's because if you talk to people, we were all probably a little too young to really remember or care about any of this stuff. But didn't people think he, like died in prison at some point in the 70s or 80s, and he really lived yeah. into, like, the fucking teens of the 2000s, right? I forget right, what it was, yeah. but what, what, what was it? People, people thought he died in prison in the 80s, but, yeah, he lived, like, a long, regular 2015 life. 2015 or something like that, like something nuts, right? But there's, Where, like, a large sure amount of people that say they remember, like, literally watching his funeral on television. Yeah, right. and that's happened with multiple people that I can't reference off the top of my head, but that's happened with multiple people. Yeah. And, and these That are, people thought they died. No, go on. I was just going to say that people thought they died. But the two Mandela effects um, that boggle my mind the most is Fruit of the Loom, because I definitely remember there being a cornucopia in the background, mm -hmm. and, and Chick-fil-A, because I remember driving past Chick-fil-A a thousand times and being like, why the fuck did they spell it with a C and no K? Yep. But now there's a K in Chick-fil-A. Yep. That I know for sure. And, and that's a little more recent one too, right? Like that's one that we feel yeah. like we can – we can grasp that uh, I build 100% the Chick-fil-A one. Wait, there's no cornucopia behind Fruit of the Loom? <laughs> no, not anymore. I'm actually Googling that, Bob, as you're talking, because that's one that, that's actually new. That's, that's tattooed in my memory. Man. Yeah, me too. I never man. heard that one. That's a new Let's one, dude. There's no, there's no cornucopia, but you can find uh, like newspaper articles and stuff like that, like referencing the cornucopia, but there isn't. I don't like that one. I don't like that. <laughs> See, Bobby gets really <laughs> fucked out. Really fucked up when this shit happens. Like it's almost like when you said uh, when you go through the randonauts and stuff. Like you have that phase of like depression, 
Right? Yeah, I'm going through that yeah. right now. But Bobby basically goes through <laughs> that, Nick, like once a day. Yeah. Like like he'll call me up and the first words every time are, bro, I'm really fucking freaked out right now. Talk me off this ledge. Like, tell me we're going to be okay Like <laughs> when he starts getting too close. But there was definitely a fucking basket behind that fruit. That's for sure. Yeah. I can tell you. It it's curled not- up at the end. Yep. A hundred percent. That was there. It's not a bad thing to feel that way. It does feel uncomfortable, but your consciousness is just stretching and Cognitive dissonance just means you short-circuited and you're getting some new programming. Sure. You know? That's so so. The, for people who don't know what CERN is, kind of just briefly explain what it is and what the function of CERN is so that people... You know. oh, yeah, so people at CERN are some mad scientists. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. They're probably regular people that don't know what they're doing, but they're smashing atoms together at light speed or near light speed trying to look for... They literally say that they're looking for different dimensions, antimatter, mini black holes, and they were at one point looking for the Higgs boson or the God particle, which they found. Right. And the thing is, it's not just like this small place. I mean, this is like I, I want to know where their funding came from because this lab that they like it's like this huge NASA. like tube where they're <laughs> smashing particles together. But what it's amazing how complex this building is. You know, I, I want to know where all their funding came from. I'm, I'd be really interested to know that. And and I know we talked about this in the pre-show about that, you know, and symbolism is a big thing where they have that big symbol outside of CERN, which is like a stargate. And inside of it is like a statue of like Shiva, the destroyer, you know, yep. which really creeps me out, too, almost as much as a lot of the stuff in the Denver airport. So, yeah. But, you know, you said they, dis- they discovered that Adam, the God particle, is end of 2012 and I know there's a specific and they made it public I believe in the beginning of 2013 and uh there's a specific date at the end of 2012 that supposedly is where the 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 bump in the timeline happened is where the world was supposedly end so you have the timelines match up perfectly right yeah and it seems like ever since 2012 it does seem like we went into a different universe or branched off into a different timeline because things are just so nuts now. Yeah. Dude, the crazy, the crazy thing about that, and um, we only got about 15 minutes left with Nick, so I want to just buzz through this story. I'll tell an elongated version. On December 22nd of 2012, I, you can, Bobby, you can call my fucking mom, your aunt. Um, I was on a plane, and I flew a lot. I was putting 200,000 miles on the plane on Continental back in the day um, as I was traveling all over the world, Singapore, Dubai, that's what I did for a living. I was going and helping starting stock trading offices and shit. So I've been on planes more than anyone. I am the least afraid of death of anyone. I don't get, I'm, I'm just not afraid of it. I've never been afraid of it. I like embrace it, right? Like I don't want to die, but I'm the last person to get scared or bugged out when something like that happens. We were on the flight. It was December 22nd, 2012. We were in the air when it was December 21st and it crossed over to December 22nd. The storm that hit when I was on that plane was so fucking crazy and intense that there were meatheads next to me, you know, these big gym guys going, are we going to be okay? Everyone was afraid to look out the window. I'm sitting there with the window open just looking out it. We were the last (laughs) plane to land in Newark. The stewardesses had to crawl to people. Now, no one was putting together that that's the day the world was supposed to end. We were the last plane to land in Newark Airport, and I had my mom come in and pick me up from the airport back then. I was coming back from California, and I was like, can you walk in here and look at this? There was people hysterically crying and sobbing, waiting for their luggage. That's how traumatic the experience was. So that happened to me on the day the world was supposed to end. And that was one of the big pivotal points for me going, okay, some shit just went down. And I'm now probably not even in my own reality. So that, that was my wow. Moment. But it was really bugged me the fuck out. That's crazy. And, and I, re- I remember reading uh, Nick's thread uh, about the Yellow Cube where 
you talked about Matt Groening, the uh, creator of The Simpsons, who I believe you said was a high-level Freemason, and how they always predict the futures, because we talk about The Simpsons all the time. And one of the crazy things is like a decade before, they predicted this same God particle, correct? Almost like to... Uh, like yeah. Homer was writing it on a chalkboard or something. Why and, is that, Nick? Yeah, why, pre- is, why are the Simpsons and South Park and Family Guy so predictive in their stuff? It's either they're using something like Project Looking Glass or, I mean, from what I know, Project Looking Glass has been shut down, but maybe they have a bunch of information that they're still using to try and keep us on a certain timeline, like their preferred timeline. Because what I think is it's predictive programming and they're trying to create the future through like law of attraction if we all subconsciously consume that content then we'll be on that probable timeline that they observed which was the one that they want the most you know as opposed to a future where we get to win so i think it's just a good idea to just not watch tv right yeah and and the other thing about i know they uh, has a lot to do with like if they do the predictive programming and say what their intentions are beforehand then the karma is not on them is that true too yeah, that's what yeah. I was saying earlier is that they ha- they have to tell you what they're about to do because, you know, they're they're telling you their plans and if you don't stop them, that's on you. Wow. Yeah, okay. That's crazy. Do Give you think a... real quick, do you think go we're on, that go. that we're on a timeline to where their plan is getting destroyed right now? I think we're like in a state of superposition, like anything's possible, the future can go either way mm. right now. That's what I think. Yeah. This is so nuts. Give me a because we're going to definitely have to have you back on. I have so much more to talk to you about. Um, give me a little <clears throat> kind of beginner's version of the Saturn Black Cube. Like so, because what I want people to do is basically, you know, a lot of this stuff is going to be new to them. I want them to do a little research on this and, you know, maybe give some places where they can go to find out some information on Saturn Black Cube. And then we'll do a little more on this. But but hit on the Saturn Black Cube for beginners right here. OK, so. Basically, there's black cubes all over the world. Like um, one of the most important ones is in Mecca, you know, where the Kaaba is, where people walk around the cube counterclockwise, kind of like the rings of Saturn. And that's a holy site for them. And then there's this giant black cube in the UN meditation room that they call the, um, the altar to the God of everything. And there's some black cubes in California. There's one in New York. Um, I don't know. these th- And I... The, the pits where the Twin Towers used to be kind of look like black cubes, but like mm-hmm. inverted, you know. They're, and so um, these black cubes are everywhere, and I believe that they are symbols of Saturn, and it's um, a symbol of Saturn worship. Okay. <clears throat> and that's that's not my personal belief. That's what a right, lot of people yeah. have. Well, go, have go into that. Go into why. So potentially the reason could be that the cube is a symbol of Saturn is because if you just go on Google and search up Saturn's hexagon, there is a giant hexagon on Saturn's North Pole. And um, if you draw some lines on the inside of a hexagon, you can create a two-dimensional view of a three-dimensional cube. So that might be hard to imagine, but just just imagine you drawing those cubes like that you used to doodle on paper like back in school. It's almost like if you, if you right tilt now. a cube and the point of one of the ends of the cube is right in the middle, that creates, well, that'll create like a hexagonal shape. Yeah. So if yeah, the point is like facing that. at you like the the face like the the barrel of a gun. Correct. Okay. And and some of the theories behind this, Nick, as far as, you know, Saturn cubes importance and things like that. Yeah, so people believe the cube symbol comes from this hexagon on top of Saturn. And um so the 
the same way that it's a two-dimensional view of a three-dimensional shape, what I believe is that these black cubes everywhere are three-dimensional um, views of a four-dimensional thing, which would be a hypercube or tesseract or time cube, because the fourth dimension, according to some scientists and mathematicians, one of them being Charles Howard Hinton, who I thought that was mind-blowing, <laughs> he invented the tesseract. He invented the tesseract, and he believes the fourth dimension is time. So if you have a four-dimensional shape, then, or if you have a four-dimensional cube, it would be a time cube. And there's like a movie about that called Cube, or I think it's Hypercube, where they're trapped inside this cube that is also has a dimension of time to it. So they're walking through all these rooms where they can go forward and backward in time. But that's beyond the point. I I think um, that the three-dimensional cubes represent time cubes, and that's what the simulation is, is this giant time cube. So do you think that like the the world's elite or whoever's in control is under understands this or is using it to manipulate us or, um, and then they put it in their symbols to kind of mock us or what do you, how do you think that ties into, uh, you know, a lot of the symbols that we see in our lives, you know, um, if, does that make any sense? Yeah. And so let me just say real quick mm-hmm. that Saturn um, used to be, the god like that was the top god that everyone worshipped back in the ancient times and he was chronos the god of time so that's where the time connection comes from Mm -hmm. but um just for people who are confused but um yeah i do think that some people some of the elite understand how this works and they understand the nature of reality and i also believe that some of this is just like the collective unconscious like when people make movies and do art and write books like they're tapping into like this database that we're all connected to Mm -hmm. Like, I think that artists can tap into, you know, the, the world of symbols, like, when they're creating. And so sometimes this stuff happens on accident, and sometimes I think it's done purposely. Sure. And, and I, think, but yeah, I think that's something we see in everyday life, right? We've seen, you know, even if you want to bring it to, like, a total opposite example of this, like, we've seen mothers be able to pick up cars when their children were, were stuck below, but under them and shit, right? Like, so to think right. that there's not this special place in our mind that we can channel to where... We, for that moment, feel like everyone has that experience at one point in their life, right? Whether you created something, drew something, gave a speech, and kind of felt like you blacked out during it and crushed a, you know, a best man speech. There's those moments that everyone has had, no matter how inferior you are intellectually, where you go, God damn, I was a superhero for those five minutes, you know? And, and that's right, or even just like in about, sports. Right? Yeah, or even just in sports, you know, like sometimes you go into that flow state and you just like kind of black out and you don't even know how you did what you did. I do. Yeah. I do it in sports gambling. We have a site, uh, elitesportsbetting.com, which right now we're just doing horse racing and fucking esports. But, you know, in April, <laughs> April when they come back, you know, I, my subscribers, like we do very well. Like my, we have a lot of success betting on sports. And I am the one, which is funny because I'm also the conspiracy theorist and the believer of all this shit that I get on these hot streaks that it's like, I just know how that game's going to end. And my subscribers make so much money over that one week period. And everyone jokes in the chat room, just wait until Tommy gets that hot streak and it'll make up for any losses that happened for the couple months before that. And I call it falling into the matrix. Like when I'm hot like Mm -hmm. that, I go in the chat room. I'm like, guys, I'm in the matrix. Just ride what I say. And it kind of ties in. Like you're just out of body, you know, in any area of life. Right. So just to go on. What were you, no, no, you going to say? Go on, go on. I was just going to say, if um, you know, just to leave people with some stuff to research, just look at all the movies with you know time cubes or cubes that take people to different dimensions. Like, um, so an interstellar. I have written here, Nick, in bold capital letters that I pasted to my computer. So that before you left, movies. So I was just going to ask <laughs> you, give us one quick question before you do movies. 
Any weird thing about Saturn's rings disappearing all of a sudden in the last two years? Do you have a theory on that or a hypothesis? My hope is that what it represents is, you know, a new age, like the age of Aquarius, mm-hmm. where we're no longer boxed in. Things aren't so solid and they're going to get more liquid. You know, it's going to be more flowy and spiritual. I thought that was weird because the little bit of black cube stuff I knew I learned in like mid 2018 and three months later, the rings were disappearing. So that kind of bugged me out. But uh, so give me right. some movie recommendations. We're in the middle of the coronavirus right now. Everything's shut down. Everyone's quarantined, staying home. We got conspiracy theorists listening to the pod. Give me a list of four five, six movies that you would advise people to watch that are really impactful. Okay. So Hellraiser has a cube that takes you to a different dimension, which is hell. Mm-hmm. And then Interstellar is a great one where there's a wormhole near Saturn. And by the end of the movie, they end up in this giant Tesseract, you know, that weird uh, world behind the bookcase. Uh And then 2001 Space Odyssey, um, there's that giant black monolith, which is like rectangular. But I think it was a I think it still represents the cube. And they find it on one of the moons of Jupiter. But originally in Arthur C. Clarke's book, it was supposed to be a moon of Saturn. So the symbolism is obviously there and that the black monolith actually transports one of the astronauts like to a different realm, like through a wormhole. Okay. What and, um, going on. isn't there an Avengers? Uh, the, yeah, the Avengers, I was just going to bring up that one. They have a Tesseract or a time cube. And what um, other movies outside of maybe if it's even off the black cube, like I always tell everyone to watch Westworld. Um, I don't know if you've seen West- Westworld's awesome. Yeah. Like watch Dev. The new show devs is awesome. Devs. What is how you spell it? D E V S. Oh, devs. Okay. And it's on Hulu, and it's about um, – it literally reminds me of, like, the Saturn time cube and Randonauts and, like, almost everything that I've been talking about, like, all at once. It's so crazy because it just came out, like, a few weeks ago, and a bunch of my followers were telling me to watch it. But basically, without giving too much away, there's this giant quantum computer that's shaped like a cube, and these people work inside of it. And it's it also seems like it's about the yellow cube because the whole cube that they work inside of is yellow – and there's like a project looking glass aspect because they're looking back and Dude, forth through the future. Bob, Bob is literally full boner right now. Dude, I want to <laughs> call him. <laughs> <laughs> he, had to, he just had to pull his pants up to oh, get back on the mic. I just have to ask yeah. one question before we go. It, it, and my question is like, so like all this symbolism tied to the deep state and the Saturn theory that the Earth was once in close proximity to Saturn and you see that Italy used to be called Saturnia and then you see the deep state's obsession with Iraq and Iran and Antarctica and then you hear that pyramids are being covered up, the pineal glands being calcified so it's like, is this whole Saturn worship, is this like when we talk about Satan and Satan worship and and sacrificial stuff, is this all ties back to like the like they're they're obsessed with Egypt and Sumeria, and I'm just trying to figure out why. And I don't know if you have like a two minute answer as to why the fuck they're so obsessed with all this stuff and why they're continuously hiding things from us and dumbing us down. What is the reasoning for that? Well, I think honestly, like all these ancient cultures were at one point connected in like a golden age, and so I think they had great occult knowledge about how reality works and like how to control your reality and how to make reality good for everybody. And I think what happened after the great flood was a few, you know, evil families (laughs) that are related to, you know, the fallen angels or something like that, that they hoarded the information for themselves and they took over the world basically. I I agree. And I think that's why they're hiding a lot of that stuff. 
you know, I mean, there's pyramids on all seven continents. And I know you had something in one of your threads, Nick, about the ancient carvings that show helicopters. And, you know, there's a lot of helipads near these pyramids. And so I, you know, when people, I always say when people say we're the most developed, you know, that this world has ever been, I, I strongly disagree. And I just think that it's being. Hidden. Yeah, I, I disagree yeah. too. Yeah. And, and so we're probably with quantum computers and stuff, we're probably about to be back at that time in history, because like I yeah. said, I think it's a giant cycle. Everything, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything moves in cycles, just like a clock or like the earth going around the sun. It's all cyclical. And so the world has probably ended a thousand times and it's probably began again a thousand times, you know? So I think we're about to be back at that Babel or golden age era. Mm -hmm. All right, dude. I love it. I love it. We're, we're definitely doing a part two. So, um, Nick, we're going to let you go, Bob. We'll stay on for a minute or two, so don't touch your recording. We'll just stay on and wrap up. But I want to get Nick out of here. I know you got another podcast to do after this. But make sure you guys follow Nick on Twitter, at Nick Hinton, N-I-C-K-H-I-N-T-O-N. Uh, make sure to get his book, Saturn Time Cube Simulation. DM him. Um, and then make sure you check out uh, Randonauts. You're going to hear this nonstop on this podcast going forward. Me and Bobby will be joining you on trips and doing our own trips and shit like that. But yeah, you guys got to try it out and let me know what you find. I'm, 100%. I'm already in. Yeah, Bob, Bobby, Bobby, has, Bobby doesn't do anything with smoke fucking weed all day, so he's got time to do whatever. <laughs> he can play a gig in anywhere. But uh, anything else you wanted to plug before you get out of here, Nick? Nope, that's about it. All right, awesome. Dude, we appreciate you. We appreciate the effort, the work, the time you put into all this. We obviously appreciate you coming on, but keep fighting the good fight, my friend. We're going to have you on probably as soon as possible to do a part two. I want to get into aliens and DMT and Antarctica and all that stuff that we didn't have a chance to get to here. But uh, oh, yeah, dude, definitely. Really, really fucking appreciate you coming on, bro. And, and uh, thanks for everything you're doing for all of us who are trying to, you know, become more enlightened. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Awesome, thank you, bro. Nick. Appreciate it, dude. Enjoy thanks, Nick. We'll talk to you soon. Go, go kill your next thing you're doing. Later, guys. Later, brother. Bobby. Bro, dude. <laughs> I'm so, like, this is the one podcast I'm pissed that we had to limit to an hour and a half. <laughs> like, oh, my I, God. Oh. You, you know, he mentioned the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And so the next time we have, like, him on, you know, Kurt's got to be on this. That's, like, Kurt's favorite book. As soon as he mentioned that, I was like, I know Kurt's going to have a conniption fit and throw his laptop through the fucking Absolutely. Hopefully we can get Kurt's technical difficulties fixed by then and get him back on too. Cause absolutely fucking insane. Yeah. Fucking nuts. So are we going to do it real quick? Are we doing, are we going to do a podcast about the points, about the point system for our, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do a periscope or something like that. We'll do something insane, but uh, I just want to make sure we absorb Nick's track. So I don't want to fuck up the soundboard here. So, uh, I want to get out of here so I can make sure I don't fuck this up. So, Bob, make sure you guys go back and listen to episode 16, 17. We talked about Kobe's death on episode 15. Uh, Go back through all the No Mercy podcasts. Check them all out if you're not caught up. But we will have Nick back on again soon. Excited to do that. Absolute fucking monster. But uh, we're going to get the fuck out of here. I got to go start dev on my Hulu. So uh, for Bob's Lessons, follow him at Bob's Lessons on Twitter. You can follow me at Tommy G and at No Mercy Pod. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, everyone involved. And uh, good luck, people, and stay questioned. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. Oh.